This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, Hufflings. Hi. <laughs> it's me, Olivia Kennedy. <laughs> Full prince vibe? Woof! <laughs> this makes them even more black! Does have an alligator with a pistol in it though. A brand new yeah. On a nat 20. No! My name is Blam Jam. That's disgusting and I love it. <laughs> get into something real big now (laughs) (laughs) and i am joined today by and it's you sir it's you oh this is beautiful uh jeremy cobb uh but (laughs) carlos luna calls me fake thug uh and uh i think at some point after that we decided that that should be my rap name um i think that was was that because i can't i think it was because i had said oh you know what it was it was because i had said the first time i ever got headshots Mm. the photographer told Mm -hmm. me that my casting because i was a black man was thug so terrible (laughs) in the sessions the photographer told me (laughs) and and that was (laughs) i will say and we are also joined by somebody who is just in so much pain right now by that revelation (laughs) because why wouldn't you be It's Johnny Chiodini. Hi, Hello. Johnny. Hi. Thank Hi. you so much for having me on. Of course. So, hey, it's great to <laughs> yeah. have you. Um, thank you for joining myself and Fake Thug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and don't worry, I will refrain from pointing out the similarity in syllables between your name and uh, Chitty Chitty Yes, thank you so much. I will not at all <laughs> Oh, thank you. That's so uh, kind of you. Johnny Chiodini. It scans perfectly. Scans perfectly. I wake up yeah. with it in my head at yes. least once a week. And it. Really? I'm slowly learning to embrace it because otherwise I'm just going to catch fire one day. Yeah, yeah. Like I think that's the best thing you can do. Embrace the chaos is, yeah. is the only thing you can yeah. do, really. Um, and that theme song is pretty delightful. Like I feel like there are much worse songs that your name could. This scan is very true. Yeah, it's it's not so bad, but it's also it's not not irritating when I get it in my head. Mm. So you know, yeah. yeah. Um, Johnny, this is a very British thing, actually. Do you remember? Oh, there was like a cough medicine, and it was like. Uh, what was it it was like baronia it was like something like that it was like cavonia something like it's it's a british thing basically it sounds like olivia and if anyone anyone out there remembers this please (laughs) let me know but i had that a lot that was like yelled at me a lot in the playground just like i'm drawing a blank on that one yeah that's absolutely fair it's so niche this is the nichest thing i've ever said on this platform oh wow but that's what i got a lot uh, i got all i also get a lot of live laugh love which um you know what right 
No, that's fine. I can break that's, that. That's that's terrible. Yeah, that's cool. That, look, my name uh, is on pillows. My name is on like signs that a lot of people put in their house. It's fine. It's all good. I think I used to get like cobweb. Oh, that's good. Uh, and corn on the cob. Most likely, most frequently, corn oh, on yeah. the cob. But then also we would get cobweb. And then there was this terrible thing in second grade where this one kid can't remember his last mm-hmm. name, but his first name was Billy. Mm-hmm. And Billy somehow messed up my name and started calling me Jerry. And Ooh. I don't know why, but being called Jerry bothered me so much. <laughs> yeah. I got so upset that him and a bunch of other kids from that class just kept calling oh. me Jerry throughout the year. <laughs> and I was, I was legitimately, like, incensed. It's never so. the ones who expect uh, to get under your skin, is it? Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it, yeah, there's nothing wrong with the name Jerry, but, but for some reason it pierces name. to my core. It's not your name, though. And I think it's just because it's the slight devi- deviation that gets that will get you because it's like, you know my name. I know you know my name because mm-hmm. that's so close. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. that's a rough one. Yeah, it's right there on the cusp. And actually, I neglected to mention this, but uh, the the reason that I know that uh, Johnny Chiodini and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang scan <laughs> is because Paul Foxcroft, our mutual friend and friend of the show, pointed it out during a live event just last yes. month uh, at the time of this recording. Yeah. Yes, that was where we met for yeah, the first indeed. time. Uh, with Yeah, it was an absolute blast. And then I told Paul to go fuck himself because he he revealed that horrible, horrifying secret about me. (laughs) And that was was the first time you'd ever heard that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a complete surprise to me. Because you know what, with a surname like Chiodini in the UK, people Mm. don't really, they don't do so well in coming up with riffs on it. So the Mm. worst I ever got at school was Mm. Rubber Johnny. You know, like which is not <laughs> even pathetic. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not even that bad. It's like, oh, okay, is that is that is that all you got? So, mm. uh, yeah, to to then be in my early thirties and have someone hit me with that, I've simultaneously <laughs> felt like I dodged a bullet, and I also felt like I'd been shot by all of the bullets from my childhood that should have hit yeah. me in one instant. <laughs> so it's like I was just floored in front of yes, an audience. That was the worst bit. It wasn't even like I could be like, listen, Paul, that's very creative and funny, but could you please never tell anybody? Like now it's just out there. And if it's anything, we're there. pushing it further out there with, mm-hmm. with this this podcast. Thank you again <laughs> so true. much for having me on. Yeah, no. We normally we really don't encourage outing people, but they, we've done it now. We've we've this Yeah. <laughs> we've outed oh, you the as, cats a, as out a the bag. Bang yeah. bang. Oh gosh. I'm yeah. a magical um, car. Embrace Thank it. You. Yeah, I think I will. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, but we didn't bring you here just because uh, of that similarity. We brought you here because you are in, you, you have your fingers in so many internet <laughs> pies uh, <laughs> that I'm surprised that your the tips of your fingers are not permanently sweetened and or singed. glazed. Uh, oh, yes. The singed I didn't we, think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> glazed. <laughs> yeah, glazed. Are they, would they be meat pies or would they be like fruit pies hmm. in this case? Meat I think, pies. I guess that's... Oh yeah, that's a meat pie. Yeah, that's my like. I prefer them to to fruit pies. So if it's a savory pie, uh, okay, that's where that's where my digits are going. Okay, uh, okay. Which meats specifically? If you Ooh, can, please. I mean, you know, I, I I I like a steak and ale or a, or a chicken and mm-hmm. chicken and mushroom or you know, um, <laughs> just things like that. There's there's a running joke mm-hmm. in uh, the community I have on 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 YouTube and on Discord that I am uh, a cannibal. This is not actually true. <laughs> so I will stop talking about oh. what, what, are, what my favorite ingredients in pies are. I just, mm-hmm. I, you, just I one time. about you. Wow. It's uh, well, <laughs> very recently. <laughs> actual cannibal. Yeah, it, uh, it doesn't scan as well, does it? 
So Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is <laughs> still the really best doesn't. one. But um, mm-hmm. you know what does though scan with uh, Shia LaBeouf? Jeremy Cobb. <gasps> I just realized that actual cannibal Jeremy Cobb. Oh, it Cobb. does nice. quite. Yeah. It does actually. Yeah, yeah. It's actually better. Oh. Like it's hard to shift from the A on Shia to the L in L. Shia LaBeouf. It's a hard name to sing. So. Yeah, it really is. Mm. Um, Jolly, dare I actually ask how the cannibal nickname thing came about, or like? Okay, so it basically <laughs> it's just that cannibalism just keeps coming up as a topic of conversation, and this mm. has actually been going back. I'm gonna say like three, four years back when I worked at uh, Eurogamer. When basically mm. I was just I, I I happened to mention that let's say somebody got their leg removed in a surgical procedure mm-hmm. and kept it. If they then cooked it and they served it to, uh, they told their friends, come round and eat some of my leg, that mm. would be vegan. <laughs> and I spent, people keep, oh like, it, all it takes is one person comes. <laughs> is it because, is it because the, is it because they're consenting? Yes. Yeah. So as long as, as long as oh, everyone okay. is informed and everyone consents, it's vegan. Um, because animals can't pe- consent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this just mm-hmm. keeps coming back up again and again and again. To the point where people are like, now it's just suspicious. People are like, sure, Johnny, sure. <laughs> Tell us again about the vegan cannibalism. So. I'm telling you, you it's guys. Like, um, I'm telling you it's real, okay? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, from the restaurant at the end of the world by Douglas Adams. There's a there's a cow or like a cow-like creature that people have like synthesized mm. that actively wants to be eaten. So like it'll come oh. to your table and be like, "Hello, uh, I'm going to be your meal for today. Could you <laughs> no. please tell me which part of me you'd like?" <laughs> and the, thing, and the people are like so put off, but he's like, "No, please, I want you to eat me. That's why I'm here. Oh. I'll be very offended if you don't." Oh. <laughs> and like the animal genuinely wants to be consumed, uh, but it does put people in a very weird position. Yeah, no, I think I think that would turn me that that would turn me vegan. Uh, that's it. No, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm out. Thank you so much. And an animal verbally, like having to look the animal in the mm-hmm. eye and tell it which part of it you're going yeah, to Yeah, I think that's where I draw the line. Thank you so much. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, so that just proves that we should go hang out over in, on Johnny's channel and um, see this <laughs> in, see his life. Um, but yeah. Yes. Well, Johnny, before uh, before we start talking about what you're up to mm-hmm. now, we always on this show like to start at the beginning with our guests. Could you please tell us what is your origin story, your nerd origin story? How'd you get into all this nerdery, all this TTRPG mm-hmm. stuff, all this D&D business? So, How did that start? So, um, I actually feel like I came to it quite late. I only started playing TTRPGs uh, 10 years ago. Um At at that point, I was in my early twenties, and Mm. um, I'd always played like video games and stuff growing up. uh, And I'd never, to be honest with you, like I'd never even considered playing a TTRPG. I was sort of aware of them in a very vague sense, but like most people, I was like, I don't know how it works, and it sounds kind of scary, blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, about ten years ago, I I was going through like just a very messy and painful breakup, and a friend of mine was like, "This will distract you. Why don't you come to my house? We've just had someone drop out of a campaign." Uh, do you want to try playing Deadlands? And I was like, uh, okay. So I went along and I just did like a trial session. I was handed an NPC, like a new NPC to to take control of for a week to see if I liked it. And I was like, well, I'm not sure. Everyone's wearing waistcoats and cowboy hats and we're all talking in, in accents and, and, oh, I don't know if this is for me. And then at the end of it, I was like, well, this is great. Um, and it just, (laughs) people were like actually cosplaying like at the table. Well, we just we we would put hats on. That was about okay, as far okay, as it okay. went. A couple of them had a waistcoat, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like full on cosplay. Okay. But um, 
that kind of really kickstarted it for me. I think it really helps that I was miserable at the time, weirdly, because mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was like, I, I feel dreadful day to day, but every week there is something I can look forward to where I can just pretend to be someone else yeah. and we can ride around and, you know, like just be cowboys for a bit. Um, and it was great. And mm-hmm. then, um, so that campaign eventually ended, but the GM did kind of like a really meta thing where we got pulled into a Nexus world um, kind of like going backstage in Cabin in the Woods. Um, and then we were given a choice yeah. of doors to walk through, and we picked one that led oh. to Fading Suns, which is um, like it's a very soupy D20 system set in the year 3999. Mm-hmm. It's like a real space opera. It's basically June, the, the TTRPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played a campaign of that for mm-hmm. three and a half years. Then we did Hot War, uh, and then we've gone back to Deadlands, but Deadlands Hell on Earth, which is set in the future. Uh, so... I, jo- I joined this campaign after a, le- uh, after a year, but it's now been going 11 years. And some of the players have changed and everything, but the core is kind of still there. So um, I accidentally joined, like, just a really long... There is a dog. Oh, my God. A dog. I'm so, so sorry. There's a dog alert. <laughs> um, this is Biscuit. But- um, yes, and I'm going to pass him over to Chloe. <laughs> Yo, te- uh, Three Black Half Leagues listeners who are not looking at this video on mm-hmm. YouTube, which I assume it will eventually be uploaded... That you just missed a, an excellent Ooh, dog. Such a good dog. Excellent dog. I'll, br- I'll bring him back once we have listened to this to this wonderful story from Johnny. All right. Um, yes. Uh, I guess that's kind of like, that's sort of how I really got into it. And then along the way, I kind of, I tried GMing a little bit. Uh, and I've run some campaigns for friends. Like I've run a campaign of Blaze in the Dark and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but I didn't really do too much GMing until I started um, GMing uh, online for the Ox Venture, basically. Mm. Nice. And I guess okay. that's me. Yeah. Yeah. So I, what was, I wanted to go back to the beginning mm-hmm. of that story because you said at the beginning of the session, you were like, the very first session you ever played, uh, you were like, what the heck? <laughs> and by the end of it, you were like, I am hooked. <laughs> was there a specific turning point during that session that you can oh, remember where, where you went from like, what? to Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was that. Because we were investigating some some rum doings in this one particular town, where basically like the masons who like were you know like shadowy evil people uh, with magical powers were like controlling people around the town, mm-hmm. um, and I was still kind of like I was nervous, so I wasn't speaking up that much. Um, but at one point, we saw a duel happen in the town in front of the masons' lodge, and. I remember my, I, I, I was like, can I just approach somebody in the crowd? Because loads of people have watched it and it was all over. Mm. And uh, the, the marshal, as they're called in Deadlands, um, just went, yeah, you can do that. I was like, uh, and then, you know, this is like the first time I did a voice. And I was like, Ooh. hey, is, is this where duels are normally held in town? And not only did he go, that's a, like, basically everyone around the table went, ooh, that's a good question. And we got some information being like, no, this is jewels are never held here. And so we were like, what's the reason? Let's investigate the Mason's Lodge and blah, blah, blah. And then as an aside, that guy was like, that's a really great question. No one ever asked things like that. And Aww. I was just like, I found, I pushed a button and it was a good button to press. Yeah. You know, like, um, and it was just, it was just lovely. It was also, I think the trappings of the evening were really nice. Um, we used to turn up at seven and all eat dinner together. And then start playing at half seven and then afterwards we'd sit around and have a drink and have a chat about things and these were people I was just just getting to know but like 
really wanted to get to know. I mean, like mm. the the marshal mm-hmm. was uh, best man at my wedding, you know, like so. Like oh, I, I made some like goodness. lifelong friends, basically, yeah. and it just kind of felt That's like really awesome. yeah, it just felt like a door had been opened, not just to like a really interesting pastime, uh, but also just like a new group of people, and it was yeah, it meant a lot, like. I, I've played a lot of RPGs and I love them, but like Deadlands will always feel like home, and I think that's oh. the reason. Yeah, that's really mm. cute. Um, I was gonna yeah. say well, number one, what a fantastic friend inviting you into that campaign. That's yeah. really nice of them. <laughs> like, um, really cool. Um, by the way, yeah, like recognizing that you're down, yeah. kind of, and like being like, hey, here's a chance to get picked yeah, up. You know what? Welcome into the fold. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was really sweet. Yeah, I wonder if you can tell us like a, a little smidge more about Deadlands, by the way, just because um, sure. we talk a lot about D&D, but like TTRPGs are cool and we should, you know, play more. <laughs> yeah, so Deadlands has actually been running for like a very long time. It started out, I think, with like a D20 system and then for a while it ran on GURPS, but now it runs on the Savage World system, which is mm. kind of um, a setting agnostic system, which is really pulpy and really easy to pick up. So mm. you've got a set number of skills, you can acquire more skills, but... Uh, how good you are in that thing it's not about mods it's about which die you pick up so you can either be d4 good in something or d you know uh d6 d8 d10 mm-hmm. d12 good in something and if you're d12 good in something you're like legendary because anytime nice. you roll you're just looking to beat a four um and if you oh. if you do better than that if you get like an eight or 12 or you know every multiple of of four over the success marker gives you a raise which is another like positive thing it's kind of like getting a crit um mm. so it's really easy mm-hmm. to pick up um and Deadlands itself is set in the Weird West. So, okay. uh, you know, you've got your normal cowpokes um, and you've got like bandits and all this kind of stuff. But there are also uh, people called hucksters who mm-hmm. um, can do magic with decks of cards. Uh, really what oh, they're doing cool. is when they, when they want to, you know, basically cast a spell, um, they're using PowerPoints. But what they're doing is they're basically playing poker with a demon to steal some of its power. Um, so powerpoints do kind of you can run out of powerpoints basically and you can either wait for them to recharge Mm -hmm. um, or you can do a deal with the devil where you and the GM both get a certain number of cards and you try and make the best poker hands you can and then you know if you succeed you get the points Um, uh, if you stuff it then uh, some very very bad things can happen to you Mm -hmm. and um, it's just a really nice kind of uh it's like it's it's just as i say it's really pulpy but it's also just so full of life mm. and there's loads of mystery and also just like you can have just really like cheap tawdry tales as well mm-hmm. as like overarching stuff um i love it there's a mm-hmm. there's a tt no uh ccg mm. uh called uh doomtown which is a spin-off of of deadlands it's set in the same universe oh, okay uh, and i've played a lot of that as well so it's kind of all very much sort of like it's all in. very vivid in my mind and yeah, yeah it's just it's just a great world to kick around in that's awesome yeah that's really cool uh, and i guess for the audience uh who may not be as familiar with like a wide range of ttrpgs you mentioned gurps earlier as being like an earlier system yes which i guess just to explain to people that's what the generic universal role-playing system that's what that yes, stands for correct mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's basically a gaming system where you can make whatever you want essentially mm-hmm. As I understand, I've never actually played. Neither Gurps, have I actually. That's like my understanding. But all I know is that generally, you know, if you say like, "Oh, something, something used, you know, used to run on Gerps," you'll get a few people in the room be like, "Oh, wow," you know, like, it's like <laughs> "Oh, wow, that takes me back." It's kind of one of those. Like, yeah. um, I think there are some people who really love Gerps, and there are some people who are like, "Yeesh, Gerps," 
Mm-hmm. So it's also just fun to say. Okay. It is fun to say. I like. What? I would like if you wouldn't mind. Yes. Gurps. Thank you. That's me. <laughs> Thank you so much. Gurps. <laughs> yeah. Gurps. Gurps. <laughs> um, I I feel like um, th- what you were describing in terms of the way that like the the die that you have being uh, what matters, like the size of the die, is reminiscent of. Uh, I've only ever played teens in space, but I know it's like similar to like kids on bikes mm-hmm. and I guess teens on brooms or something like that, which is what they use for the Dimension 20 um, Magic and Mis- or Misfits and Magic season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't I can never remember if it's Misfits and Magic or Magic and Misfits, but is is it like a roughly similar uh, like can the dice explode, for example, yes, they can. in that like if you roll. Nice. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you've always yeah. got a wild die as well, which is a D6. So even if you're rolling a D4 in something. Uh, you roll a d6 as well so you've always got like a chance of just making it come off which mm. is really nice um mm. and then there are you get poker chips uh, or bennies because mm. they uh convey benefits um mm. and you can use those to re-roll or add a die to your score or um uh, r- like resist damage like it's called a soak roll where you try mm. and try and uh, reduce the number of um of wounds you're going to take because it's you don't have hit points you've got a toughness score and if your toughness score is exceeded you're shaken so you're like stunned if it's succeeded um with a raise or two raises or whatever you'll take you'll take a wound you can take three wounds once you take a fourth you're incapacitated and you're into death saves so Mm -hmm. like it's 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 pretty brutal like um five actually five weeks into this campaign my character died um, oh no! <laughs> yeah, he got hacked a bit. Whoa. We we went and we oh. we tried to take down the masons, and he got he got killed with an axe. Um, oh no! And I remember that was a real. When you say masons, are these like the Freemasons? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it that kind of Masonic lodge? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, our marshal had just decided to take that and run with it because you know it's a shadowy organization that people are aware of. Yeah. So it's kind of fun mm-hmm. just to be like, Psst, they are really evil. You know, and Ooh. and do that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, death death is always a possibility in Deadlands. But you can come back as what's called a harrowed, where you're basically a zombie and you're in charge of yourself for most of the day. But you're being powered by uh, a demon called a Manitou that can sometimes just take over and go do horrible, terrible things. Mm. So swings and roundabouts. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. So that's the risk you oh, take, wow. which is mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. That's cool in itself. I kind of yeah. would be like, oh, no, I died. But also, I'm coming back. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It turns the death. It's, there's like an actual mechanic that allows you to turn the death into another story element. There's only a chance uh, of it happening, really cool. which is annoying. But, oh, I see. Okay. So I, I oh. didn't get harrowed, but um, I've had ah. players you ha- get harrowed. It's great fun. That's cool. Oh, wow. Okay. So do you have to roll for it when you die mm-hmm. to see if you become harrowed? Yeah. Oh, the, the, okay. the marshal will roll a die and on a certain result then they'll come back as a as a harrowed um which is just super fun like especially if you're mm-hmm. trying to hide it because um you don't heal with like healing rolls like everyone else you have to eat meat in order to heal um Ooh. so people will be like oh let me heal you up you got shot and you'll be like no i'm <laughs> fine i don't need you <laughs> to fix me uh, they also drink a lot it's called pickling um because mm-hmm. if you don't drink enough alcohol you start to smell like a corpse um it's, <laughs> i see so they thought of a lot of it right. yeah right, it's right, good right. fun it's really good fun wow that is really fun i'm gonna have to check this game yeah, out yeah. this sounds great <laughs> uh we have a series uh also basically a weird west series which honestly did not occur to me until my friend told it told me uh but it is essentially a weird west series mm-hmm. uh which is like it's a north africa inspired uh post-apocalyptic 
Western Amazing. Uh, series that we do called Outlaws and Obelisks. And there, some of what you're describing sounds uh, reminiscent of some of the things that happen in that mm. series, or some of the things that happen in that setting. Um, I but would, sorry, just you, okay, just one thing. I would I would say I would urge you to play the latest edition, which is the Weird West edition, because they finally fixed something that was very much tonally a problem in the game. Uh, oh no! In yes, in that um, in the alternate history in uh, Deadlands, up until this most recent edition, the Civil War ended in a stalemate, and while mm. slavery was abolished, the the Confederacy was just allowed to continue. To no. exist, mm-hmm. yeah. So, it, yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't make for comfortable reading. And I think they finally realised this isn't great. So they released some tie-in uh, comics to explain through time travel how actually uh, the Confederates did lose the American Civil War, um, and th- that actually that's that's not a problem. They don't exist anymore. So. Okay. I mean, I love that they had to use time travel to go back and and do that when it's like, you could have just like left it. Like you could have just said, don't worry about it. You could have just said we're revising this because it would, it's, it's more tonally appropriate, but (laughs) no, 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 the Morgana effect as it's known Mm, um, mm -hmm. is explains why. So exactly. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. it's more fun that way. It's like, no guys, there's nothing fun about about this. There's nothing fun. It's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Johnny. I don't know how much you pay attention you've been paying to this, but D and D is currently having a similar thing mm-hmm. where they're trying to hand wave just a lot of the history, or just be like, "Yeah, we're just revising it." Mm-hmm. Uh, with the, especially with the most recent book, uh, re- most recent source book, at least that they released, Mordenkainen's Monsters of the Multiverse. Yes, basically they've yeah. I don't know if, but they basically have stripped most of the flavor text from a lot of the existing races in order to basically keep them from falling into some seriously uh, racially insensitive potholes that the that the originally released versions of a lot of these races did. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, and and some people is similar to what Liv is suggesting, where it's basically just go back and be like, yeah, we messed up, uh, yep. and change it, and that's kind of what they're doing. Yeah. Some people have gotten very angry about that because they feel like that somehow invalidates <laughs> the stories that they have told, which is yeah, absolutely preposterous. And I think the the problem is that when you're talking about something as big as D and D, it's I mean, like in terms of the size of the thing, it's like driving an oil tanker. Like it takes you an hour to turn. It takes you 14 miles to stop. Mm. Whereas, you know, like smaller games, Mm. I feel can be more nimble and they can just say, hey, look, this is a change we've decided to make. Or, you know, you can have a a, a warning at the start being like, hey, this is a Lovecraft game, but Lovecraft was racist as all hell. Like that kind of thing. Um, And I think just also with the the fan base that D&D has, I think they're so. I think you're. I think you, you've hit the nail on the head. I think they're so worried about their experiences or their fandom being invalidated mm. that they are mm. really aggressively defending the a, like a rich history of bioessentialism in the game, mm. which I hate. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah. I, I strip it out. Like obviously, I strip it out. But mm. uh, I strip it out whenever I'm running D and D. I'm like, no, like there's nothing. Like I just, I hate the implication that. You know, kobolds are always evil, or you always know where you are with the goblin. You have to kill it. It's like that's not not necessarily true. No, no. <laughs> yeah, and it leads to yeah, yeah. Imagine that being the hill that you want to die on. Just like no, I need my goblins to be like really ruthless. Like, do you really, Re- yeah. really, yeah? Wild. <laughs> it is amazing how much uh, people 
I, I think it's it's a similar thing with like any fandom, and this is something that I recently was watching. A, a Wisecrack actually did a video oh, about Disney adults uh, and how the love and devotion that many Disney adults have for Disney products is reminiscent of religion, of organized religion. And I would have, I had been saying the similar th- a similar thing about fandoms in general mm-hmm. that a lot of fandoms seem to approach their quote unquote sacred texts in much the same way that religious people do and you could argue that this new D &D, these these fifth edition changes are essentially the congregation like members of the congregation being very upset that the latest edition of the holy text (laughs) is now being altered and those who had placed their quote-unquote faith in it in the past and had built stories using that and accepted this as the reality Mm. are now being told not only is that different but that was wrong yeah and i think they take it as as a personal commentary on them like you were wrong for having played that way and having enjoyed it. Yes. And now there are all these essentially new converts mm-hmm. who have come in who are basically <laughs> preaching a different version of the religion. Mm. Uh, and I, I don't know how much this would hold water academically, but that is very <laughs> much how it feels to me mm-hmm. as somebody who grew up uh, with a very religious background. That's what it, that's really what it feels like. Mm. Yeah. Watching. No, that's a really cool, interesting comparison, actually. Yeah. No, especially coming from you, because, like, as you say, it's, you know, you can actually draw that comparison and it holds weight. So, yeah, that's really cool. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, Johnny, earlier you had mentioned Oxventure. Mm-hmm. Can you please tell us, uh, first of all, what is Oxventure for our audience? Mm-hmm. And then secondly, how did it get started? Okay, so um, basically, the Oxventure is a D&D campaign uh, for t- uh, two YouTube channels, Outside Xbox and Outside Extra. Um, they, uh, you know, they, they're like sister channels, basically. Uh, Outside Xbox came first, and then Extra was was founded uh, a few years ago to um, to just basically broaden the horizons so they could cover you know PC and PlayStation games or Switch games, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, rather than just Xbox titles. Um, both of these channels uh, uh, are owned by Readpop, which is the company that owns uh, Eurogamer, where I was working at the time, uh, and also Dicebreaker, uh, for mm. for which I used to work, and obviously. That's where Liv works now. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so basically, um, outside Xbox hit a million subscribers, and they were like, "We should do something as a special reward or a treat for people." And I think it was Luke Westaway actually, um, who works for Outside Extra, went, "Well, people are always asking us to play D and D. Why don't we just do like a one-off D and D session?" So um, Luke approached me. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure, all right." Um, I'll I'll do it. I I didn't tell them at the time that I had only run D and D for three sessions. We were trying oh, wow. the Minds of Fandelver starter box. Um, I did not understand yeah. it. Uh, well, I was yeah. running a loose approximation because you know what? It's got a lot of stuff in there. Does it have the rules in there? No, not really. <laughs> not enough of them. So um, I was running mm-hmm. what felt like D and D to me at the time. And I went, yeah, all right, I'll do it. And, you know, we piled into the basement of a bar in East London and we set it up and we filmed it. And, you know, the whole time we were like, oh, that was that was fun. You know, maybe if we get to do this again, then we'll do it slightly differently or blah, blah, blah. And now it's been five years. Uh, <laughs> we do live shows every year. Uh, mm-hmm. We're sort of we're on a hiatus right now. So we started doing it in like season arcs. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to be sort of mm-hmm. back later this year, and it's really snowballed into this massive thing. Like we did a we did a live show at MCM Comic Con recently, and like 
the number of people in Oxventure cosplay blew my mind. Oh, like, amazing. Wow. It's still, it never gets old. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, it's never not weird to see people dressed up and being like, that, they are an NPC that we made up as a joke. <laughs> you know, like... Of course, like, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they really go for some deep cuts. So um, it's lovely. It is, it is a very... I keep a very loose hand on the tiller when it comes to uh, the rules and just... Uh, DMing in general, uh, I like to play sort of fast and mm. loose. I like to say yes to the players, basically. Mm. So um, mm. a lot of the time, I mean, like for example, for the first, I'm going to say three years, mm -hmm. uh, we didn't we didn't track spell slots at all. Wow. Um, because I was like, <laughs> I was like, you so can power. you can you can uh, you know we'll we'll introduce these later. Right now, just have fun, just play D and D, spam out your spells, whatever. Now we're playing mm. with spell slots and mm. long rests and all that kind of stuff and. Like, for example, um, our warlock, uh, Prudence, who's played by the wonderful Jane Douglas, is like, I, I can barely do any of these spells. Like, I used to do <laughs> yeah. these all the time. Now, if I want a spider climb, I can't do Hunger of Hadar later. And it's like, yeah, how, how do you like that? That's, you know, that's D&D, &D, baby. So um, it's, it is a very, very wacky um, series, but uh, I kind of... I think I think the goal is always to make it accessible and just fun first and foremost mm -hmm. and a realistic reflection of what it is to play Dungeons and Dragons according to the rules is uh, it's not even secondary I'm going to say that's like a tertiary consideration <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code headgum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 
I think that's I think that's a common thread among a lot of D and D like pack prop popular actual play shows. Mm-hmm. The one that really comes to mind when you were talking is the Adventure Zone. Right. I've only listened to the Balance Arc, but certainly in terms of like, first of all, Ma- Minds of Fandelver, and they just skip half the story, not even half, most of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of tracking spell slots, where like afterward they revealed like that they had pre- routinely been fudging rolls miscounting spell slots just like because they were like yeah we're trying to move it along uh and not all of them not all of them had i think it was i think it may have been travis i can't remember Mm. i think i think i think justin and clint had been recording together but travis was just recording by himself yeah Yeah, and i think there were times when he'd be like look i it's we're i don't want to just turn this into a long thing we trying to succeed at the skill check so he would just lie and tell griffin succeeded uh but it was interesting because they're essentially at that point placing more emphasis on the story that they're creating Mm. and almost positioning the mechanics of the game at odds with the story that they are trying to tell uh whereas it sounds like you with ox venture there's a slightly similar thing where it's like the emphasis is on the story and if the the mechanics of this game get in the way of what we're trying to do then we have no problem simply jettisoning them jettisoning the the mechanics because this is essentially just a vehicle that we're using to have a great time and tell a really cool story with each other i think so yeah would you say that's like an accurate assessment i think so yeah i mean in sort of in terms of like a broad ethos um I, mm-hmm. It certainly got to the point now where um, I mean, I like I always plan light as a GM in general. Um, I I like to just have flexibility, and I like that failure is an option. You know, like I, you know, like like most people I have a rule where I won't get someone to roll for something if I'm not prepared for them to to stuff it up. Yeah. So it means that like if something does go wrong, I'll be like, okay, yeah, fine, let's let's just let, we'll go with that then. And mm. like I think people get a lot of. I think the audience gets a kick out of seeing how the adventure unwinds and then comparing that to how, based on my facial expressions and the number <laughs> of times I've put my head in my hands, how wildly divergent that is from what I had planned. So, yeah. kind of... <laughs> um, I remember watching the very first one, actually, because I was like, oh, D&D, don't mind if I do. This is great. Um, <laughs> uh, and obviously, um, like, I was a big fan of the channel and everything. Um, but yeah, like, I the first episode, wasn't it a thing where some... Spoilers for the first Ox Venture episode, um, where somebody was transformed into a rat and you mm-hmm. had them, like, scurry out of the door and mm-hmm. immediately they were like, track down that rat! That rat yep. has something to do with it! <laughs> and that was very, very funny to me. Yeah, yep. that was really It good. was ridiculous. I had this whole whole long thing that we're going to go gather clues in several other houses that have been affected mm-hmm. um, and the rogue rolled a nat 20 on picking up the rat and then mm-hmm. uh, the druid came in and was like, oh, I can't speak with animals. Hey, are you this, this missing boy? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Darn it. So that, you know... <laughs> That, so that that killed twenty five minutes of, uh, of of game, but also like what a delight that they kind of they just did that. You know, it's um, yeah. I'm always I'm always quite happy to throw things out the window. Like I would say there was one time I was running a Deadlands campaign for some friends. Actually, uh, sorry to keep wrenching it back to other RPGs. Oh no, but, please um, do. Yeah, fine. Oh, absolutely. These grab that wheel and wrench. Amazing, great. Um, well, I guess it would be the reins of a of a horse. Oh yeah, exactly. But, Yeehaw. Um, Oh, grab the reins, please. But um, they were investigating some some evil goings on um, in like a railroad company, and they were working for the agency, which is basically uh, Deadlands is equivalent of the Men in Black. 
And mm. their entire mission and this entire campaign was contingent on them remaining undercover. <laughs> uh, and at one point, they were they were in a difficult position where their job was to blow a railway bridge because um, they were working deep undercover for like a rival company that was trying to sabotage another one. Um, and a train came along unexpectedly. There wasn't supposed to be a train there. And they were like, uh-oh. And they just killed the guy that was with them so they didn't Ooh. have to blow the bridge. Eventually, they did blow the bridge, but once the train had gone past. But they got, they got rustled immediately and had to go on the run. And so mm. I was like, okay, the, the mm. game has changed. You're now just fugitives. And they <laughs> yeah. stopped and went, did we just blow this whole thing? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you did. You did. Like <laughs> that was about 30 hours of planning and that's gone now. So mm-hmm. start running, <laughs> you know, but Thanks I so loved much. it. At the same time, I was like, this is like, I, mm-hmm. I, I think it like, it was really fun because a, you know, we, we actually ended up having a really fun campaign with them on the run, but also like it was from my perspective it was a joy to see this light go on in their heads where they were like our actions <laughs> really have consequences like yeah mm-hmm. we don't know how big of how big this safety net is and i think they just had a really long drop like mm-hmm. oh really they nearly died getting out of there um <laughs> and they were like oh mm-hmm. we did like i didn't expect there to be hornets in this nest <laughs> i just thought i don't know mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was delightful. So um, yeah, it, it kind of it carries over with the Ox Venture. Like we'll get we'll get to the end at some point. Uh, how we get there, don't really mind, but yeah. I'm sure we're going to have fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I I was wondering. Mm. Um, you mentioned that you have you had primarily or possibly have primarily GM'd and DM'd in public games versus private. Have you encountered, like, what would you say is the difference for you between GMing in public versus GMing in private? Mm. And that's, like, the experience, the, like, the dynamic with the players, Mm. uh, as well as just, like, preparation. Mm. Um, I would say, I mean, they they are wildly, wildly different. And one of the things I always try to drill into people uh, who sort of talk to me about the Ox Venture... um, because a lot of people have said, you you know, you got me to try TTRPGs, and I think that's wonderful. But one thing I always try and drill into them is be like, do not expect your sessions to be like this. Because no, yeah. what when we sit down at that table, we are consciously producing an, an, you know, an entertainment product, you know. Um, and so the decisions the characters make are influenced by that. Uh, we know that, you know, especially with a live show, we're, we're on the clock, so we've got to keep it moving. Yeah. So sometimes a judicious fudge uh, on my part will, will, will help out or, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. they'll go a lot harder at the, at the sort of mission objectives than they otherwise would. So mm-hmm. what I've found um, and what I really love uh, when GMing private games is the how much slower the pace is how you can have those sessions where it's like we didn't roll a die for 45 minutes <laughs> you know we we just went mm-hmm. shopping or we had a really tender conversation and all this kind of stuff yeah um i i really love giving the campaign room to breathe because it you know if you're going on for multiple sessions it doesn't matter if you don't get to the objective or whatever you know i like to have a session end on a note where it's like, and that's when you hear a snap of a twig in the woods or whatever, you know, like something cliffhanger adjacent is nice, but it's not essential. Sometimes you just be like, and I think, I think we'll leave it there when everyone's just had a nice meal, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I de- Oh, also I definitely feel like I am harsher 
with consequences when I'm jamming private games because yeah. <laughs> like it's because you it's want it prob- to be fun right you you want it to be like uh, well you want all games to be fun but you don't it, you're kind of conscious of like not bumming out the public <laughs> or something like that exactly yeah you know? and also like combat i because come you know i mean you know as well as anyone else combat slows everything down you literally go into bullet time <laughs> mm-hmm. and those pauses when you're doing a live show and someone's looking something up and rolling a dice and going, um, you can hear a pin drop. And I hate it because I'm like, oh, yeah. are we losing them? Are they are they enjoying this? Or is this is this is this climactic battle the boring part? So, mm. you know, sometimes I'll try and resolve com- yeah. combat without going into initiative order. Um, mm. I really like doing that. Or or I just try and keep combat sort of short and sweet. Um which helps because the Oxventurists have a real reputation for just killing whatever I throw at them on round one. <laughs> I, I consider myself at this point to be a fairly experienced runner of games. I cannot balance a combat encounter in Dungeons and Dragons to save my life. <laughs> I just can't do it. Yeah, there's it's always PPK something I haven't thought or of. Complete like decimation of of a of a monster and there is no in between yeah yep. yeah yeah exactly yeah i'm mm-hmm. so glad i'm not the only one <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah I, th- I think it's an incredibly common problem. Mm. Like, the number of times people, you can see people post being like, hey, what CR is appropriate for blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, it's like... I don't know. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you, yeah, you hear, like, horror stories of people accidentally TPKing their party the first time they DM, or just, Whoa. like, poor Jasper, when he used to run the game that, actually, the titular Black Halfling of this show mm-hmm. debuted in. Uh, Jasper likes to run combats with like one or two big like the the classic Jasper William Cartwright combat back in the day mm-hmm. I don't think he runs them quite this way anymore but would have one big scary guy in front and then one other scary dude in the back like cooking something up okay uh, he'd just be back there like <laughs> and like be working on something in the back while you have the big scary person in the front the like <laughs> and, and it'd be like the two of them mm-hmm. but that did not work unfortunately with our party because like specifically because i think my character had stunning strike and he jasper had the worst luck (laughs) Mm -hmm. on rolling the con saves against that and so one of it like the front monster would just get pinned down and then overwhelmed in like a round or two Mm. and poor jasper who spent all this time planning this this combat is just like what am i supposed to do like that is such a common Mm -hmm. such a common Mm -hmm. affliction Yeah. yeah uh it's yeah yeah my um I guess my my strategy is just make sure that the average damage that this creature does is not enough to instantly kill a member of the party, mm-hmm. and then I close my eyes and swing. Yeah, uh, and it's basically worked out. It's it's worked out well so far. Mm-hmm. I always find I don't know if this is just me, but well, I mean, I have terrible rolls as a player. Like my god, cannot hear a thing. It's ridiculous. Um, but when I'm a when I'm a DM, oh, I am deadly. It's obscene. Like. <laughs> Um, like I um, uh, recently on Dicebreaker we played a little bit of Call of the Netherdeep we did like a one shot like of like the first chapter <laughs> sorry that's the door going <laughs> we did a one shot of the first chapter um, and um, it was it, it was great but we got to the end and there was like an encounter with like this giant like shark um, and I was like oh, it's a d12 but it's okay because I 
barely roll anything. It'll be fine. So many 12s. So many. So, so many. And yeah, there were. <laughs> and also, yeah. And I was like, it's fine. It's just one shark. And there's three of them. It's fine. Uh, it's all good. I had to literally send in the cavalry because they were about to die. <laughs> And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. Because like, if, it, if it's going really badly, I'll just send in a bunch of other people. Even with the other people, it was still so, so difficult like for them wow. to actually kill the thing. And I was like, this isn't just me. I, I didn't write this, this shark in. This is, a part of the, this is a part of the action. Like, this was not me not balancing. This was Matthew Mercer. Matthew Mercer, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so difficult. But then also, Johnny, I had, like, the kind of feeling um, uh, that you might get with the whole combat thing that it did go on for so long. I think it went on for, like, an hour. And, like, I was, like... Uh, nobody likes combat as much as me. I'm having a great time, but, like, what if nobody else is? Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, it was rough. It was a rough time. Oof. Yeah. I actually want to oh, so I, I want to commend um, Dimension 20 and especially not another D&D podcast mm. because I think the the constant banter between the bad guys and the and the PCs mm. absolutely elevates those combats to where you can get away mm-hmm. with having like an hour long combat mm. but like the damage and stuff is almost secondary in terms of the the actual entertainment value of just listening to these uh, expert improvisers just make fun of this bad guy and like the amount of like character moments and character developments for the villains that take place just during mid-fight banter is astonishing yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's they because I completely agree with you, Johnny. That is absolutely a concern. Like with especially I think with a live show mm-hmm. where you can't like edit out all of the math pauses and you can't add in sound effects and like particular swells of music at a specific time yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, you got to really keep things moving. That's true. Uh, the life of a deal. yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I guess uh, I would be, we, we would be, in general, remiss if we did not talk about uh, Dicebreaker. Uh, now, as I understand it, are you the founder of Dicebreaker? I I was the first member on the team, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, while okay. I couldn't say, like, I founded it in that I kicked open a door and said, give me a tabletop <laughs> website. Uh, yeah, I basically was kind of, um, I was brought, um, I was brought into consideration uh, when they first started thinking about the site. Um, mm. At the time, um, Rupert Lohman, who founded Gamer Network, which was bought by Repop and yada, 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 um, mm-hmm. was still at the company, and he called a meeting and was like, what do we think a tabletop website would look like if we were to start one? And I came in and I was like, here are some ideas, la, 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 la. At the end of that year, we went to PAX Unplugged um, in the States to sort of scope it out and see you know, what the show is like, um, what the appetite for that coverage is like. And I think, you know, Rupert and some other people had some meetings with publishers and said, look, we're thinking about pitching this website at sort of this, this level of the industry to, to fill this gap. And people were really enthusiastic. So suddenly it became a much, you know, uh, much realer thing. And I remember we were, uh, we were in a, we were in a taxi on the way to like a, a bar where we were just going for a drink after after the show, and we were all like, "Okay, what would we call this thing? What would we call this thing?" <laughs> and uh, uh, my colleague at the time, Jonty, went, uh, "How about a dice breaker?" And I'm not gonna lie, I instantly went, "I hate that. I hate it. I hate that. I <laughs> think it's awful. very punny. It's very punny." <laughs> yeah, um, mm-hmm. and I continued to oppose it. 
Uh, and at one point he went, look, if you want to come up with something better, come up with something better. And I was like, uh, no, I've got nothing better. Uh, and then after, after like a month, I was like, oh, it's, it's, I'm used to it now. It's just a series of syllables. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, if I don't think yeah, about it too hard, it's fine. It's fine if I don't think about yeah. it. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, then I, I sort of had a conversation, a difficult conversation with Eurogamer and was like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to go over to this other project. And then I literally had leaving drinks on the Friday, my Eurogamer leaving drinks. I was back in on Monday to start working <laughs> on Dicebreaker. Um, so there were there was a, a like a strange few months where I was just sort of trying to write scripts and trying to think up sort of like content ideas and just think about features for this thing that didn't exist yet um and then we started interviewing we started bringing people on board so uh wheels or michael whelan was uh, the second person we hired and then um you know like uh we we picked up the editorial team and matt jarvis came on board matt was like matt was wonderful and i think once mm-hmm. matt came on board it brought my role into such clearer focus and also it brought what we were doing into such clearer focus mm. so while i was the first one in the door I think it would be disingenuous of me to say that I was the founder of Dicebreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, mm-hmm. um, it was, it, it wasn't just my baby, but it was very much a, a, a baby I looked after a lot yeah. in the wee hours of the morning. Mm-hmm. I can vouch for the fact Aww. that um, Matthew Jarvis is, is excellent, as is Michael Whelan. Very good, very good people, very good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've met Wheels and he is in fact the bomb. Yeah, that's true. There you mm-hmm. go. Good <laughs> yeah. if and it, it led to live. Yes, it led to live. Yes. eventually joining us. Right. Yeah, I know. I like literally. We mentioned this um, recently um, because uh, I mean, I came in two, three black halflings when Unati left, and I joined Icebreaker after you left, Johnny. And I was like, I have a, a very bad habit of like, um, like taking up the reins of like people who are prolific in the industry and just being like, hi, <laughs> it's me now. Um, so, so thanks, Johnny. Thanks for the you know like allowing me to kind of step up not that like it was you not that you like hired me but like it was it created an opportunity so cheers i guess oh no no worries i was you yeah. know what i was so thrilled when i saw you'd been hired oh, i was just like yeah thanks. like so like, this is this is like mm-hmm. this is more of what dicebreaker needs i think um yeah. and uh yeah it was it was a lovely feeling and so uh yes mm-hmm. uh, you're you're welcome i quit <laughs> It's <laughs> no easy way of saying this, is it? Yeah, no, it's it's a weird <laughs> look. This situation has not come up for me before, and it's a weird one. But still, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by my thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I think both sentiments are very appropriate. All right, thank you, thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> Um, I actually did want to ask before we move on to uh, our final question, mm-hmm. unless you also have something to add, uh, Liv. I really wanted to ask: How did you get into online? content creation mm-hmm. in the first place and also like into the games industry okay so uh <laughs> oh god let me take you all the way back to 2008 Ooh, um i Ooh. was uh, i was still at university i had just finished my second year mm-hmm. um and i picked up two weeks of work experience at uh, itn which is not ign it's independent television news um, which does like Channel Four News and you know like ITV News and uh, also has like an on- online programming wing. Um, and I was literally just there for two weeks of work experience, sort of plugging away. And I had maybe two days, no, not two days left. I had maybe a week left. Uh, somebody came up to me and went, "Hey, we're starting a thing about video games. Do you know anything about video games?" And I was like, "Yeah, 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, do. <laughs> um, and they went, okay, great, because the person who's going to be helming this is currently covering the Cannes Film Festival, so we need someone, because it mm -hmm. launches soon, we need someone to start working on a script and coming up with this stuff. Uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, I can give that a go. Um, so I was sort of emailing this guy, and we worked up a running order, and I wrote a script for what then was called Gamerzine TV. Um, and if this, Ooh, wow. like, yeah, so I'm not even joking. When we were going out on shoots and stuff, we were filming onto mini DV tapes. We were playing these off onto a server. It was another time. It was <laughs> wild. Um, oh my God. But anyway, like, I, I sort of, we got the first episode out and they were like, you're handy. Can we sort of give you a couple of shifts a week? So I worked there part-time during my final year of uni, and then I went mm -hmm. full-time. Mm -hmm. um, I worked there in the end for three years. Um, and during that time, uh, the guy I was working with, Nathaniel Lippier, is like, uh, is amazing and really helped me develop. Like, I wasn't just writing scripts and sort of giving him things to, like, sourcing B-roll and stuff like that. He taught me how to edit video. He decided to change the show so it was a double header and he taught me how to present mm. um really developed my skills and then eventually he started working on other things so i took over that um and then eventually i left took a job at GameSpot, and i worked there for three years mm. went freelance for a year then i worked at eurogamer for five and a half years four and a half wow. years i can't even remember then dicebreaker and now i'm working solo so mm. it was i'm not gonna lie purely right place right time because yeah. um mm. You know, if they hadn't been working on that thing, I would have been like, all right, two weeks, see you, bye. And would have, wow. I, I, my plan was to become a, a university lecturer. I was going to do an MA and then a PhD in Old English. So I would oh, wow. be wearing, Whoa. I'd be wearing a lot of tweed right now. Um, mm. But instead, <laughs> I just kind of, I sort of fell into it. Um, it was, I mean, it was just before uh, the recession of like 2000 and, well, 2008, 2009. Mm. So even mm -hmm. just having a job after university felt like a miracle. Um, mm. And like, luckily and thankfully, it led to just sort of just other things. And now I sort of dick about on the internet for a living. It's, <laughs> it, it honestly gives me a little sense of vertigo whenever I think about it. It's like, I, because 2008 in my head doesn't feel like that long ago, but uh, uh, mm, it was, it was, that's... <laughs> We're how talking how long 14 years ago. Yeah. Oh, oh, disgusting. Yeah. You can't. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's not think about that too hard. <laughs> I, yeah. I was just discovered. That year was the first year, I think, that I discovered most of classic rock. <laughs> uh, like, I went on a school trip with my friend Chris Barger, and I hadn't really grown up being allowed to listen to classic rock, and I just started to listen to a little bit of it the year before, mm -hmm. and he had a bunch on his iPod. So, like, that's what I remember about that year, <laughs> okay. is, like, I was, I was a sophomore into a... I was a sophomore in high school uh, listening to a bunch of classic rock with my best friend. Uh, and learning about that. Meanwhile, oh, yeah. you <laughs> were off working at, like, online companies and so forth and learning the ropes of this whole industry that's so cool yeah it's weird and it's all still out there is the strangest thing uh so uh. there's there's footage of me like age 19 presenting stuff on on the internet and for some reason uh i don't know why but for some reason we just shouted <laughs> like we didn't present at a normal volume it's like we raised our voices slightly but we were just yelling we were just yeah. yelling you were like just stage yelling. voicing but you went on the stage so it's like no what are you doing? i had a lapel mic <laughs> like that thing's pretty great like that thing picks me up just fine but no i was there being like hello welcome using to. your diaphragm like really getting in there yeah, really yeah really getting in there so that was pretty wild um mm -hmm. yeah. yeah 
it's the I don't know if this if these guys made it over here, but Billy Mays is like an American institution when I was growing up. He's a, basically he would show up on infomercials selling stuff. Yeah, and you'd always know it was him. He's this big burly dude with a beard, and he'd always be like, "Hi, Billy Mays here," and it's like, "Bro, you have a mic. They have a boom mic in front of you." <laughs> There is no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is clearly not like... like you are not talking to a live audience. <laughs> there is no reason for this level of volume and intensity. It sounds like our version of like <laughs> Silly Bang, just like yes. Hi, I'm Barry Scott. Yeah, you could yeah, yeah, yeah. Bang! <laughs> Barry Scott was a And the dirt is gone. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, I actually recognize yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it's yeah, it is. I've, it's a tendency I think that we kind of have to some degree as well, mm-hmm. or certainly that I have. Uh, <laughs> where I'll just be like, right, after having gone to like drama school, I'll be like, right, I need to command the audience's attention. Hello, everyone. Ooh, well, that's very good, though. <laughs> just like, yeah, for no reason, just so much fun. It's great. Um, I love. I mean, I was. Yeah, it really. I is. was creasing it all the way through uh, questing time. Afterwards, I got a message from Foxcroft being like, we've got a lot of photos of you laughing. It's like, yes, I was just pissing myself the whole evening. I barely spoke. <laughs> just laughing. You were just there for, for a laugh, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, yeah. I, could, I couldn't help myself. I felt yeah. outclassed. I was just like, oh, everyone at this table is really fucking good. All right. <laughs> oh. So I just, I just had a Oh, had that a was such a, a fun evening. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> who, was, who was the one guy uh, whose character was just... A gargoyle? I can never remember his... Yeah, uh, Nick. Yeah. Oh god, what's his surname? Yes, he was hysterical. Yeah. Just, just so very, so very funny. funny. Mm-hmm. Just really dry. He yeah. was just a stone gargoyle who, who was just he'll, he'll just walk like this, sort of very slowly. But he also <laughs> narrated oh. all of his actions in that voice, so it was <laughs> it was just bit. doubly funny. Yeah, exactly. It's you know, be like. I drink yeah. all of the coffee, and like it just like <laughs> exactly. we would just he just lo- it was so dry it was brilliant, and at, at one point somebody asked him a question he just went yes, yes and, and just shut up, <laughs> and like it was just so good. It's the first role of improvis- improvisation. No, that's that's excellent stuff. Is is this video like available on the internet somewhere? It's not filmed. It just oh, sort of happens, no. and then it disappears into the ether. Oh, uh, in and the you know what? Every time, every time I've done Questing Time twice now, every time I come away and I'm like, I'm sad that this doesn't exist. But also, mm. I'm quite relieved this doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Just gotta be there. Yes. Yeah. There were, mm. That was, as far as D&D characters go, I feel like that was the weirdest D&D character I've ever played. Mm. Uh, so good. I can't spe- mm-hmm. Yeah, I was fa- Dr. Fl- Fandulius Thrombosis. Uh, that was my character's name. Excellent stuff. <laughs> it was <Yeah>. wild. <laughs> uh, well, in the interest of, as much as I would love to, now that you've mentioned Old English, I really want to have a whole conversation <laughs> with you about <laughs> the path that you took to wanting to study mm. Old English and linguistics in general. But, uh, unfortunately, we can't use up too much of your time. So, Johnny, I will, I, unless, Liv, you have a, a last question that you want to jump in with. If not, then I'll just go straight into the uh, tale from the table. What do, you, what, do you have any thoughts? Um, I just wondered, how, how's it going with your content creation? Just like, I, I'm, I, it sounds like you're having a really good time. And I just wondered, what's going on with, you, with your channel? What's happening? Oh, thanks. That's really nice. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's nice. Uh, basically, um, I, I, I branched out from Dicebreaker and just launched a, a Patreon. And um, basically what it was, I just, I realized I was missing video games a lot. 
Mm. When I left Eurogamer, I was like, I'm so done with video games. Fuck them. <laughs> Tabletop's where it's at. And mm. then I think what, what I was going through was that actually it was the end of a console generation, and so there was nothing mm. fun happening. Um, so then, you know, I loved working at Dicebreaker, but I was also like, oh, I do miss covering video yes. games. The so Siddler. now, mm-hmm. oh, it's lovely. Like, they're just, they're just fun. But um, yeah. I kind of, I still split my time between tabletop and video game stuff. So, like, on Mondays, I stream myself painting, and Thursdays, I, I stream myself playing a video game. And then mm. I have a Let's Play series uh, that goes out weekly, and patrons get, like, advanced access to the episodes. Oh, nice. uh, and also, for a certain tier, um, I basically I put out an RPG every month. So oh. one month it'll be something very light and silly, like um, you know, sort of like Grant Howard adjacent stuff. Mm. Like um, mm-hmm. I put out one called uh, Rootum Tootum Races, which is about a, a Wild West racing league where um, you finishing crossing the finish line is only the first bit because if during the race you can lean out of your carriage and slap someone else with a glove you have a duel at the finish line and if you kill them you you finish in their position um oh that's really uh, fun but then uh, every other month these the sort of they're they're every other month because um the the core thing is called weird tales of adventure um mm. and it's kind of like it runs off a rule system i knocked up um i say knocked up i thoroughly thought about and play tested um <laughs> but it's it's basically each issue it kind of feels like a little bit of a comic book issue. It's like it's like an introduction to the world, the setup, um, notes on how to run it for the GM. There are no like stat blocks or anything because the the system's very kind of um, freeform. But mm. basically, it's just like here's here's the scenario. Here's what everyone needs to know. Here's character creation. Here's blah blah blah. blah. Uh, and I just sort of give people a little one shot to to run off with. Um, and it's really nice. It's really Ooh. rewarding. Like I, I I love writing, so it's been nice to do that. Um, yeah, and it's going well. Like, there's there's a nice little community going. Um, mm. They're all very like really supportive. I think the biggest change I've seen or like or experienced for myself is that when it's just me, there's no there's no like I can't be like I'm a, I'm feeling sick or I'm feeling depressed or whatever. Can you do mm. this stream and I'll sit it out? Yeah. It's like uh, if I don't do it, it doesn't happen. Mm. So, um, mm. I what I realized was not. You know, because like, I just run everything off my own social accounts and stuff. I can't tweet as a brand and be like, "This video is coming a day late." Yeah. You know, sorry about that. You've it's you know, we'll fire out a link when it's ready. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you uh, like you have to be a little bit closer and more open with the audience, mm-hmm. which feels weird because a, a lot of the time I'm a very private person. But when I have mm-hmm. to be like hi, this video is going to be two days late because I have terrible seasonal affective disorder and the sun is trying to bake us all alive. It is, truly, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's ve- yeah. I mean, it's, yes, it's horrible. Oof. But um, that was sort of a surprise and it was an adjustment. But you know what? The, like, the level of support from people is really, really lovely. And it's just, yeah, it's going, it's going well, I think. I hope. Nice. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, from what I've seen, it's going really, really cool, really well. Okay. Yeah. Well, if, look, if it yeah. ever goes tits up and I, I come to you begging for a job, Liv... <laughs> When you're running you things. Ah, yes, of course. Yes. Um, Please, Liv. Please. <laughs> ah, Dini, you're back, I see. No. Yes, I'm sorry, Liv. <laughs> Come crawling just, back. Just hand yeah. in hand. I, I'll understand if you don't want to look at my CV, but... but <laughs> Please. <laughs> Dice break it. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> never. <laughs> but what have you done for me lately, Kyodini? Uh, Sing me a song uh, that's got your name in it. <laughs> you know the one. Kidding, Johnny Kidding. 
God, that's good. Like, takes out a cell phone. It's like this is going on TikTok. <laughs> this is what Just you've sobbing. done for me lately. <laughs> My secret TikTok, where I ask like people from the industry to do really like embarrassing things. Yeah, no, that's my little yeah. TikTok. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a video of me singing actual cannibal Jeremy yeah. Kyle <laughs> <laughs> and crying. Oh, the crying! And then another me starts clapping at the end of the video, like appears and does the Citizen Kane clap. Oh God! Terrible. <laughs> Uh, and that leads us perfectly uh, to our final question here, which is, the uh, we always do this with every single guest mm-hmm. uh, to wrap these up. We would love to hear a tale from the table. Uh, it's essentially a wild, wacky, memorable moment that you can tell us. It can be funny. It can be sad. It can be heartwarming. It can be shocking. Uh, the more wild, the better. Okay. God. Um <laughs> uh, I think the one it's... I told was about my water ganassi catching her own vomit with uh, shape water, so that was fun. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Okay, I need to tell you about uh, flak gammon. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I'm already on board. I was running a campaign of Blaze in the Dark. It was wildly out of hand. We had twelve players, um, and not all of them could always make it. But generally speaking, like our record was, we had eleven people around the table in one session. So that's it was like that's blades. eleven players, right? Yeah, it was. Ooh. And uh, the the gang was called the Bad Consequences because they fucked everything up. Uh-huh. But um, there was one time where one of the players was talking about what he'd done in downtime to relieve stress. This was at the start of the session because we'd um, we'd forgotten to do downtime before but anyway he said oh yeah i went drinking with this this other player uh we played uh flak gammon he was a little bit drunk uh, he meant to say backgammon yes but he said mm, flak gammon yes. and without missing a beat he went which is of course a game that you play with bits of pork and guns <laughs> um and then between sessions i used to put out a newspaper fr- mm. like in world newspaper from duskfall kind of reporting the latest antics but also just throwing in some other stories like for fun just as a bit of flavor yeah and i was like flat gammon's pretty funny <laughs> and i was like flat gammon's just been made illegal because too many people are choking to death on bits of pork and dying <laughs> um and then they took that and they ran with it they went from being a, a gang of like of of sneak thieves to taking over an entire pleasure yacht um kidnapping the city's most prized pig um, and just basically organizing an illegal gambling ring mm-hmm. based around flat gammon, this game where you would load bits of ham into into flintlock pistols and fire them into the, your opponent's oh, God. mouth. Oh, it, God, no. Yeah, the, the, it became an entire arc. I'm talking <laughs> like we did 12 what? sessions just around the, the proliferation of flat gammon. Um, and That's it was... <laughs> it was like, it was... It just became like a collective delusion... Mm-hmm. And was just, <laughs> yeah. It was. Mm-hmm. It was. It was just bizarre. It was one of them. Like yeah. it was glorious, but at, at all points we were we were aware that the campaign had run away with itself. In <laughs> fact, once we were done with the flat gammon arc, we stopped playing because, <laughs> like, what's the point? We, yeah, I'm serious. Like, we couldn't summon the enthusiasm. It was like, do you want to go take down the council of six? Like, no, no. no. We've kind of the the pork storyline petered out. So. <laughs> 
What's the point? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, flat gammon. The whole campaign is about this now. Why are we even doing the rest of it? Yeah, it's absolutely wild. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, I'm imagining like so, players yeah. like looking at the source book and being like, there's no mention of flat gammon in here? Um, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've still got the was newspaper somewhere. Was there a flat gammon tournament arc? Ooh. Yes. Yes, there was. Um, <gasps> so they they set up a, an enormous tournament um, and they were trying to, I think they were trying to rig it. I think, I can't quite remember I should have notes somewhere, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, yes. the the tournament The tournament arc was great. The stealing the yacht was was huge, um, <laughs> and like they had the police in on it, like the blue coats in in Blazing the Dark. They were <laughs> they were playing themselves. They were like, wait, you know. So they basically had immunity, and it made them obscenely <laughs> the rich. Went on the flat gammon take. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, like uh, nobody could resist a game of flat gammon. It was absolutely wild. Mm-hmm. I also want to say that's incredible. Like, putting it, like you, did you make the 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 newspaper and like send it out? Was it like a little like um, newsletter thing that you did? Or? Yeah, it was like a PDF. Uh, oh, so it was just so it was cool. a, it was a form that you would just fill in. Um, mm-hmm. I think. Oh, I'm man. pretty sure I got it off Drive Through RPG, and it's called Mutable Deceptions. Ooh. It's like a series of different newspaper um, sort of clippings, uh, and you can just write a little tiny story. Um, so I've done it a few times. Like when, as I said, my um, my Deadlands uh, group completely screwed over their own campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent out a newsletter. Well, I, I sent out a. Um, a newspaper story being like this person is suspected of murder after they left their ID behind because basically one of the players rolled poorly they Mm -hmm. rolled a critical fail and I was like okay I was like I'm not going to tell you what you just did and she dropped her she dropped her ID (laughs) so her her papers of employment (laughs) so suddenly they were wanted by the law as well as this evil company so Mm -hmm. the newspapers are a really nice way of bridging sessions as well as filling people in on um stuff they've missed basically but i love doing yeah, it yeah that's, that's so such cool. a nice touch i really love that thank yeah. you yeah would you be down to re-release that the flat gammon the original flat gammon newspaper yeah uh, you like, know in what? conjunction with this episode yeah 100 percent. uh if i can dig them up i'm pretty sure i tweeted them out once so i will mm. refine that twitter thread and i will send it to you oh hell um, yeah and you yeah oh, you can, thank you no you'd be you're more than welcome because some of those stories are silly they were also obsessed with eels they were a nightmare <laughs> they were a nightmare group. they sound fantastic <laughs> yes they're good fun <laughs> That's wonderful. I think the mark of a good campaign is when it stops being about the big drama at the center of the mm-hmm. world and becomes about a completely redundant side thing mm-hmm. yep. that people decide they would really rather invest in than all the other big problems right. going on. I mean, what's the point in forcing them to do the big highfalutin sort of, you know, like thunderously, cataclysmically significant stuff if all they want to do is steal a pig? Yeah, give them like, what they want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ice cream for dinner. That's what. That's the whole. That's the whole point of TTRPGs. Mm-hmm. It's ice cream for the dinner yeah. for the soul. Yeah. Oh, so true. Yeah. That's a great Beautiful. note to end it on, actually. <laughs> hmm. Absolutely. Look, sometimes you just got to steal a pick. It's true. Right. Um, Johnny, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, would you please let the the fans and anyone else who is not familiar with your stellar work know where they can find you? Uh, the easiest way is YouTube.com forward slash Johnny Um, from there you can see my Patreon um, 
And yeah, I think that'll then link back to my Twitter. Uh, I, d- I try not to lead with the Twitter because I swear a lot. Uh, <laughs> and it's just basically just like, it's less about video games and more about how much I hate the government. So, mm-hmm. you know. Um, <laughs> Sometimes you got to fucking say it. Fair enough. Right? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, youtube.com forward slash Johnny Kidding is the easiest way to, uh, to, to find me. But thank you so much for having me as well. I've had a really, really good time. Oh, good. This oh, absolutely. Great. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. I do have to, though, shout out your Instagram because uh-huh. this is an... It is mostly dog pictures, mm-hmm. but what a what a quality pooch. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, she's what amazing. What an absolute quality Yeah, pooch. she's a little staffy called Watson, and I love her. She's oh. really, really good. Oh, excellent stuff. She is a, a solid 10 out of 10 dog. Oh. Uh, just, I will let her know. I, I checked it out just while doing research for this episode, and I was like... Oh. <laughs> <sighs> mm-hmm. I want to meet this dog. This is a quality dog. Let's make it happen. Uh, you know, but she's she's a good pooch. I think you'd love her. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> we'll be in touch. dog. Yeah, absolutely. But um, okay, I think uh, I think next I should throw it over to Liv. Me, Liv. Do you have anything that you'd like to plug? Uh, sure. Why not? Um, yeah. If you you may have heard us talking about uh, Dicebreaker um, during this interview, you can head on over to youtube.com forward slash Dicebreaker if you want to check out some tabletop stuff. I'm also there. Um, if you want to just see me, uh, I'm over on Twitter at Magic. That's me. Yeah. And uh, you can find me at Jeremy Cobb one. That's Cobb with two B's, the number one on Twitter. Uh, and I would I would like to give a shout out to a bunch of my new followers on Instagram who did manage to find me <laughs> after we mentioned it last time. Um, oh I still can't remember what my username is, but I did see that I got a bunch more Instagram followers. <laughs> there are still no pictures, but please, by all means, go follow me on Instagram <laughs> if you can find me. Join the ranks of these people and Emily Axford in following. <laughs> yes. it's, a bunch of, it's a bunch of people I don't know and also Emily Axford <laughs> who follow me on there. Okay. Uh, and you can follow this show uh, at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pornhub, etc. That's at three. That's the number three black halflings. Uh, And oh, and Patreon uh, at TB halflings on Patreon. If you like all of this madness and you would like to support us and get some behind the scenes stuff, some kickbacks, some uh, bonus things. We actually have some uh, you'll be able to hear the talkbacks for all of the uh, the actual play shows that we've done, such as the aforementioned Outlaws and Obelisks and one currently unmentioned but coming soon series. So Oh, many episodes, Goodness many episodes is. long. Maybe I'm in it. Maybe I'm not. It's a big, big I project. <laughs> mm, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, is there anything else that it, that is worth plugging? Um, <laughs> go pet a dog. Yeah, mm. pet, yeah, go pet your dog. I'm gonna go pet my dog after this. Yeah, preferably your dog. And then, if you want to pet somebody else's dog, ask the person yes. first, mm-hmm. and then make sure that you approach the dog with an underhand. Mm. And it's probably better if you like kneel to get on the dog's level. Don't go overhand at a dog. It, yeah. It's it's alarming. Yeah. It's alarming. Let them get a good sniff at yeah, you, and then see what they do. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Good advice. Yeah, let them sniff your hand, and then give them a little give them a little scratch. Yeah. All right, that's it. Mm. <laughs> On that note, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So long, Shafo. <laughs> so long, Shafo. Yeah. <laughs> We're useless with You can say it too, Jody, if you yeah. want to. You can say it. <laughs> what, what we love it when guests say so it. Long, so long, Shire Folk. Ah, so long, Shire Folk. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you.
That was a HeadGum Podcast.